everyone, welcome to At This Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Lynn. Join me for conversations with people in the theater world. You never know who's going to show up or what we'll talk about. So silence your cell phones. The show is about to begin. I saw today's guest make his Broadway debut, and then I told him he was going to be a big star. I love being right. He's a Tony and Grammy-nominated actor, and please welcome Jeremy Jordan. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, what's up? How you doing? It's the person that I've known basically the longest in my since I've lived in New York. Like you're All one right. of the people that I've known for like the longest. You've I've known you longer than my wife. That's true. I actually I've known your wife longer than I've known you. Yeah, well, many people can say that, I suppose. But she's amazing though. I mean, who wouldn't want to know her, right? I yes, I very much agree. Sorry, I like I'm like currently I just got my teeth whitened for the first time today, like ever in my life. <laughs> And it was fine until the very end and like my bottom tooth just started going. <laughs> so it's it's kind of like giving me like little lightning bolts. You got it. That's normal, right? I think that's normal. I don't know. I have never had my teeth whitened, so but it I don't seems know. normal. It seems like it would be it's, normal. It I had nothing else to do. It felt like a good time to to just do it. I'm I'm like I have this big movie coming out in in a couple months. And so I figured for the PR, I'd get a haircut and whiten my teeth. Although I have to fix my hair because it's it it did I gotta I gotta tweak it. Anyways, hi. Hello. <laughs> Podcast listeners are like, I can't see any of Like this. I can't see any. I don't know what's going on here or whatever. He's fixing his hair is usually what he does. Usually he has his hands in his pockets, but he's fixing his hair today. I can't. I can't with the hands in the pockets thing. Remember that tweet that I sent to you when you were a waitress? When I was like, Yeah, but he keeps mm. putting his hands in his pockets. And you're like, thanks. Now that's all I'm thinking about. Yeah. This is why I don't read my social media anymore. Exactly. Which <laughs> It's say? fine. You know, there are many camps in the hands and pockets. It's fine. Uh, debate. You know, there are some people like, oh, it's natural. It's normal. You can put your hands in your pockets. That's what people do. And there are other people like, you will not put your hands in your pockets. It is lazy and not, and it doesn't look, and it, and it looks like you're, you don't have any any idea of what you would normally do with them. I was like, well, maybe I would just normally put them with in my pocket. pockets. Maybe that's what that's your thing. So. Um, the the solution is to wear clothes without pockets. That's true. So, gotta sew those pockets. But I love a but I love a pocket because you know where you're gonna keep your stuff. Listen, I live in my 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 wallet, my headphones, and my my phone. Like that's they go in the pockets. I don't have anywhere else to put them. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Anywho, like like I mentioned, you made your debut. I saw your Broadway debut just by chance, and that was in Rock of Ages. And I thought that you were just so so good, and I had to come talk to you at stage door. So how excited slash nervous were you when you found out that you were going on that night? I was excited. I mean, I was also very nervous because you know I was a swing in Rock of Ages. You know, when you're a swing, you kind of learn the ensemble parts first. And we, during our whole rehearsal process, you just kind of sit on the side and do your own thing and kind of like try to learn it. And we had just opened like a few weeks or maybe a month before. And so we had just started doing understudy rehearsals and I had gotten about halfway through the show in rehearsals like just kind of going through it and plotting and before I had to go on. So, 
Yeah, I was really nervous. I mean, I knew it. Like, I knew that I knew it, but I hadn't done it. Like, I hadn't physically done half the show. They did like, a, we did like a put in on the day of. So we kind of went through it with everybody and they kind of helped guide me through. And And I remember I didn't have all my costumes. So I had to like use some of Constantine's clothes, which I don't know if you've seen the two of us. He's about a foot taller than me. So we had to do some pins. I had some of my own costume, but um, I think they... I, you didn't even have your wig yet. No, I didn't have a wig. I was just like, made my hair as rock and roll as possible and went with it. And I had a script on each side of the stage to like go off and and kind of reference just to make sure I knew what I was doing. And uh, I don't remember there being any issues. Like we got through it and, and, uh, and it was really fun and... A bunch of my friends came to see it. Luckily, I had a couple, like two or three shows. So my my family couldn't get there quick enough for the first show. So they got there for the second show. And uh, yeah, it was really it was really cool, you know. And I and I remember Amy Spanger was the lead. She had no idea who I was. I mean, nobody did. I mean, we had like spoken like two or three times in the rehearsal process because she was Amy Spanger, and I was like a twenty four year old nobody. Or was I even 24? I was 20. No, I was 24. Anyways, yeah, I just, uh, she she came up to me. It was like right before curtain call. And she just had this like look of astonishment on her face. And she said, you are a fucking rock star. And I was like, oh, thanks. It was like, it, what was so amazing and wild to me was that, you know, I knew that I had the ability to do all this and I knew that I had a good voice, but when you're a swing and nobody's seen you do anything except you kind of sing along with the ensemble stuff, they don't really have an idea of the scope of your, you know, abilities. And I don't even know if I had an idea of the scope of my abilities at that point, but it was kind of crazy to watch the whole cast just be like, oh, I didn't know he could sing like that, you know, because, you know, sometimes under the, the understudy is... Or, uh, you know, they they fit a certain role better than the other one. And you never know if they, you know, or you have to change the key or, you know, there's always so many different factors. And um, and it was it was kind of funny to see the look on everybody's face. I know I missed I missed the early days of, of Rock of Ages. Yeah. And uh, especially you were covering so many roles. And I was like, oh, great. I got to go to Rock of Ages. I know. I never went on for Stacey Jacks, though. I know. Thankfully. I never wasn't as prepared for that one. Except I could have done it, but when what? you when you did that little show when they used to have this at this performance series down at like the McCaskill. Right. Or... Right. I did like a I I did to do the Stacey Jack song, but I'd like I know. Yeah. But I mostly went on for Drew and Franz and yeah. and ensemble and Primo, parts. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And when you were doing Rock of Ages, I'm like, well, he can definitely sing, but he doesn't have a rock voice. And now you showed me because now you're heading a rock band, Age of Madness. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't have like a Constantine rock voice, which was like that 80s. And, you know, the thing is, like, I can make those sounds. And I learned very quickly doing the show because I did it a lot. And I went on for the lead a lot and I would try different kind of ways to sing it. And when I started to try to imitate Constantine's voice or like do that kind of crazy thing that he does, I'd lose, I'd lose my voice and like I would be down for the count. So, you know, you have to kind of find your own way into it. And I was classically trained as a singer. So 
manipulating my voice and all that gravelly stuff, like it took me a really long time to understand how to do that healthily. And I definitely did not know how to do it during Rock of Ages. I, in fact, I remember after my audition, which I was like, there's no way they're going to put me in this show. Like I can be silly. I think the the main reason I got Rock of Ages was because I could do, I could, could do the rock stuff, but mainly because I could also do Franz really well which was like a really hard thing to find someone that could do both of those things. So I kind of was like perfectly in the middle. Um, so when I did my audition, I I lost my voice for like almost a week because I just went full out and just like tore my vocal cords to shreds. Yeah. And they were probably like, dang, this kid, is, he, he's got some, you know, he's got some rock energy. Little do they know that I couldn't speak for like a week after that. But Yeah, if anybody has seen Rock of Ages, you definitely know that Drew and Franz are two totally opposite roles. Yeah, they are couldn't be more different. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, yeah so let's uh, jump back into Age of Madness. Yeah. You, uh, you started Age of Madness, but that wasn't your first band, right? You had a band in high school, right? You had a rock band in high school? I did. So during, I mean, during the, just for a little backstory for those who don't know, during the pandemic, you know, I was bored. And I've been writing music for a long time, but I've been doing it kind of like in a bubble by myself and never really had the, I don't know, didn't have the drive to like, to finish it, to like really go and do it. And so I started working with my, with my good friend from college, um, Michael, and he kind of took care of like all the music stuff, which was always the part that I was the most trepidatious about. You know, I was always felt like I was more of the singer and lyricist. And so as soon as I was kind of accountable and had to work with somebody, it became something that was really fun and really interesting and felt achievable. Whereas when I was just doing it on my own, it always felt like it was just daunting task of like doing this, you know. So that's been really fun for the last, you know, year and a half, two years. We've been working on it for about two years, but it's only been out there for less than a year now. And yeah, I had, I was shortly in a short-lived rock band in high school called Poseidon. Don't know why. We mostly did like ACDC covers, which I did not do well, I'm sure. Like, I can't sound like ACDC, but the guys in my band that's what they like to play and i but i do remember said so we were all like either in the choir or the band at school like you know march like old school marching band or you know choral music and so our biggest concert was at the spring choir showcase performance (laughs) and we like opened for the choir (laughs) And we did like four or five songs. I don't even remember what we did, but I do remember our biggest hit was we did Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind. Which you which you brought to your last solo. Well, no, not your last one. Well, which I brought to my second solo show called Jeremy's Terrible. Agreed. It was really fun. I'm choosing to ignore that, John. Uh, so yeah, I, it's uh, it's come full circle, I guess. I mean, I, I think I've always been a big fan of like rock music and great songwriting and alternate music and singer songwriters. And I've always wanted to have some part of that world. It's kind of hard for people to take you seriously when you're in musical theater. They're like, oh, you do musical theater. That's, that's a different thing. You're like, well... 
I have the ability to do other things. It's just, just, it's something that I love and it's something that's really special and unique, but like, and I understand it's not for everybody, just like any kind of music is not for every kind of person, you know, but it's definitely like what I listen to in my real life more than anything. So yeah, it's, we're still sort of finding our way and figuring out, figuring out like what's our path forward. And uh, we kind of had, ha- have had to start, at square one you know i think we naively thought that we'd have a little bit of a leg up because of my prior success but we found out very quickly it does not carry over it's not like a oh all your fans are just going to become all your fans of this it's it takes so much time to cultivate these fandoms from you know newsies or supergirl or rock of ages or whatever people became fans of and they and it percolates and they listen to it over and over and over again and they it happens slowly you know and so so yeah we're we we um we came down to earth pretty quickly and then we um but now we're sort of figuring out what's next maybe a rock cover of santa fe would do musical theater people <laughs> uh maybe down the line i didn't want to start with that that's the thing is like you know it's i didn't want to be like let me lure you in with like morsels of musical theater like if it's gonna be this thing it's gonna be this thing and i want it to be separate you know i want it to be which is why we didn't put my name in the band you know i i understand it might have like made it easier to sell tickets to shows but it's not that you know and it's very it's a very different vibe you know but maybe down the line we can throw it in as a bonus yeah just a little fun thing to do (laughs) but um rock is not my First, I'm I'm very very musical theater. <laughs> you are. I never would have guessed. I know it's so weird, but I did. I had fun at the debut concert you guys did at Sony Hall. It was so much fun, and I think everybody there had a great time. I didn't yeah. know because I did a survey afterwards, and nobody really had yeah. many complaints. So yeah, I mean, yeah. and it was a it was a shit show too. I mean, it was a. <laughs> There were so many issues. I hopefully that most people didn't notice, but like the sound was all over the place. Like there was just a lot. It was, you know, it was our very first show ever. And so we were figuring it out and I you guys pulled it off. Basically basically blacked out the whole time. I can't remember half of it. I'll send you videos. Um no, I've seen videos. I don't need to see them again. We'll still be better ones. But yeah, it's it's a totally different it's a totally different beast. I mean, I've done so many concerts of, you know, cabaret stuff and musical theater stuff and some of my little things, but to do something completely different and all original was way, way scarier than I had ever imagined it would be. And I don't really get stage fright, but I was like shaking and like, it was weird. Um, I don't think anybody really could tell, but I was, but then I was like, don't give me away. I know, I know. I mean, the people that know me best, they they know my tells. But um, but I also think like that's the that's kind of a magical part of it too. You know, there's a human element, and it's and it's part of your charm. And um, and it's yeah, and it's and you see the well, maybe, but you see, you know, you see the real side of people, and I think that's one of the reasons that I've been successful, specifically in you know doing concerts and stuff, is that I. I don't ever pretend to be something that I'm not, you know, and I try to lean into my 
not lean into my flaws, but lean into my, you know, yeah. imperfection. So uh, we can really go really into your musical theater career, but everybody knows about that. And if you don't, Google. <laughs> but I think that maybe like the shift into like your quote unquote theater stardom was probably when you played uh, Jack Kelly and Newsies. Do you agree with that? I think that was like the big thing. You know, it might have been Clyde and Bonnie and Clyde if the show would have been more successful, but it was definitely, yeah. I mean, it was definitely Newsies. I think that was like my breakout performance, if you call it that. Consequently, it was the last original musical role that I've ever done. Yeah, I need really? to get on that. <laughs> um, if you don't, if you don't count Finding Neverland, which I don't. Um, What's Finding Neverland? Yeah, I don't know. Never heard of it. But um, yeah, it was um, it was definitely the pivotal moment in my career. I mean, it's I got new agents. I got TV. I got the TV show. I got notoriety. I got Tony Award nominations. So it's like that's the thing that I think is my biggest, uh, the biggest star on my resume, you know, still to this day. The thing that I'm most known for, I think, yeah. especially in the theater world. Yeah. And I would say even out, even in outside the theater world, even if even having done Supergirl, I, more people know me from Newsies. Well, because it's on Disney Plus and a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, when I tell people about you, yeah, because I'm still doing that. 14 years, I'm still doing that. I don't know why you torture yourself like that. The guy from Newsies. Oh, him. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The one that takes his hat off. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of videos and everything, there are a lot of popular videos of you online. Mm -hmm. I think the most popular is probably, it's all coming back to me now. What do you think is your most popular video moment do you think it's that oh i guarantee you it's that yeah. there's no way that it's not that it's got like six million views or something like that yeah it's a lot um which is hilarious to me um because i basically did it as a joke thanks ben you know yeah i know there's, there's just you know people do these like little broadway sings different artists sings all the time and I haven't done one in a while, but, you know, Ben is one of my best friends in the whole world. So I do anything I can for him. But and uh, he's like, I need you to sing a seven minute song. I was like, you've got to be joking me. I was like, can we do the like four minute radio? It's like four and a half minutes. And he's like, no, we have to do the whole thing. I was like, fine, but I'm not memorizing this because the lyrics don't make any sense. And there's too many of them. And they're like almost exactly the same so i would inevitably mess them up which i still did even though i was reading off a lyric sheet if you look at the video i'm fully reading off a lyric sheet you know i might have had a drink you're known to mess up lyrics so. i am very keen on messing up lyrics in fact i i like it i enjoy doing it i try to do it at least once a show when, when, you, um, when you don't mess up i'm usually like is he on his game today what's going on you're, you're, i know you're right why <laughs> why what's happening He's he's setting his standards too high. He needs to keep them lower. Like, that's that's the trick. That's the trick is to always mess up a little bit, so that you can always do better. And people will be like, "Wow, it was so much better this time." Um, he messed up something different, but it wasn't as bad. It wasn't as bad, wasn't as, bad as that last one. Uh huh. But uh, no, it was. And I, you know, I'm just being silly the whole time. Had a drink and and the rest is history. 
I did. I, it was my idea to do the key change in the middle of the song, though. <laughs> I was like, this is Celine Dion's song, and there's no key change, and it's seven minutes. Whose who's idea was that? Got to put something in there. <laughs> what is a role that you auditioned for, really wanted, but never got? Anything from stage to screen? I'm sure there were lots of them. My my very early one that I really thought I was going to get was originally the Tony and West Side Story, which was always my favorite show. And uh, I didn't get it. And then I went in a year later to go in for the replacement. And <laughs> I go in for my callback and Arthur Lawrence said, where were you the first round? I was like, I had like two callbacks. Clearly, I was not memorable. <laughs> I must have figured something out in the interim. You know, there's a lot of things. I mean, a lot of TV shows and a lot of movies that I was close on that I didn't get. Uh, a lot of things that you put a, you put a lot of expectations in your head. And sometimes maybe those aren't realistic expectations because you're not privy to all the information that's going on behind the scenes. You know, like when I was working on the early stages of greatest showman you know i had an expectation in my head even though i was doing the demos for for hugh's character that i would you know be in consideration for the other part and um got asked to do like the reading and not like just not knowing that it wasn't ever really a possibility and put that blame on anybody but i mean it's just as much for me to put it on myself to to have unrealistic expectations. So that happens a lot, you know, and um, I've learned throughout the course of my career to just not expect to hear anything or to know anything. You know, there's a lot, there was a lot of TV shows that I got really close on and almost all of them never came to be anything. Um, but now you've made a really big hallmark career for yourself. So, you know, uh, it's, it's been a very interesting kind of, couple years in the hallmark realm and i certainly can't complain about that i mean there um i've gotten lucky enough to do some really interesting projects with with them in fact all of my projects that i've done with them have had some kind of diversity built into the casting or the or the characters which which i was always really adamant about if i was going to do something like that that it would have to feel like it was different than just you know a whole bunch of straight white people falling in love and having minor squabbles and then falling back in love, you know? So that's been fun in that regard. You know, the first movie there were the two leading women were people of color. And then my second movie, two of the main characters were gay. And then uh, my last movie was about Jews. So it's, it was fun. Um, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, the goal is to can continue diversifying and do, you know, I'd love to do some more television and bigger movies that, you know, more people can see and get a little bit wider recognition. And then of course, more theater, of course. Yes, yes, definitely. So you did a show at Carnegie Hall a while ago. Uh, uh, yeah. Did you expect that right show before to, COVID? Yeah, did you expect that show to sell out as quickly as it did? I don't know. It's so strange. Carnegie Hall is a different beast, though. So you have to know that they're like super subscriber based. So those shows always sell really well, um, no matter who you are. So like, again, low expectations. But it was a really fun show. And I got to sing with my wife. 
Um, it was the first thing she had gotten to do after having a kid. So it's the first time she had like dressed up since becoming a mom. And so she was like, it had been like six, six months. She's like, I need to put on a dress and get my makeup done. And, uh, and I was, and she was, I was like, great. I don't understand any of that, but if it makes you happy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually doing, um, kind of a, like a slightly altered version of that in Houston at the end of February. So that'll be fun to kind of get to revisit that. That your mother didn't know about and messaged me and. Oh my God, mom. I don't remember to tell everybody all the things I do. So many of these concerts, you know, like one happens to be in Texas and I don't mention it over a month before it happens. I'm sure I would have mentioned it eventually. That's why she comes to me instead of you. If you're listening to this and you want to, um, you know, attend the show in Houston, you can, as like a bonus, you can see if you can spot any of my family members in the audience. (laughs) There'll be a bunch of them. (laughs) You've done a ton of solo shows, cabaret shows, and you've been like, especially with the the last two, you were so vulnerable uh, with the audience. Was that hard for you or did you feel like it was time for you to be that way? I With my cabaret shows, I have always been, well, specifically with my New York cabaret shows, because I've done so many little concerts all over the country and all over the world. And often they are, you know, like little best of shows and shows that, you know, showcase the things that people know. Often when you travel outside the city, people want to hear the stuff that you're known for and the hits and stuff like that. So those shows are a little bit different um, than the shows I do in New York, which are a bit more theatrical. And, uh, you know, with my very first show, I was really scared because I had never done any kind of cabaret before, you know, where I wasn't, you know, just like singing a couple songs in somebody else's show. And so I intentionally like made myself step outside of my comfort zone. And then once I had done that in the first show, I was like, well, now I can't not do that. And I can't just do the same thing. So I have to go further. So with my second show, we built in this whole facade of we're doing like this kind of a game show and we're just being silly and goofy and not feeling things. And then in the second act, you kind of like get hit with this big bombshell. And I like I what I love the most about theater is those moments that completely catch you off guard and take you by surprise and make you feel really unexpected. And that's what I really try to capture in these specific like cabarets that I put on specifically in New York. And I, and I've done similar things in London too, but I always try to cater the shows to the crowd. And then the the last New York show that I did, which um, also got streamed called carry on was, was fully scripted. It was the first time I've ever done uh, I mean, I always write out what I'm going to say and kind of plan out, but I'm all often like just very, I kind of, you know, have a blueprint and then I go off on my own. But this one, I wanted it to be really specific and really thoughtful. And I wrote the show about being a dad and and the sort of fear that goes with that and got very vulnerable with things that happened in my past that I've always wanted to tell people about, but I never really had the right conduit to do it. You know, I think if you're given the opportunity to to share something really personal and if that in the sharing of it, you can inspire other people and help them feel or 
or handle or face some of the things that are going on in their life that might be similar in some regards. It's it's not like a duty, but it's it's something that I think is really special. And I can remember when theater or movies or cabaret shows have have kind of brought me to that place of personal enlightenment that only really good art can take you to. If I could try to help deliver that to somebody, that's what I wanted to do with those things, you know? Well, I told you after Carry On that, like, we have had a similar kind of path and stuff like that. And uh, we both have musical theater. You know, musical theater brings people together, Jen. It truly does. But, and, and you know what? And I think that, and I think that was, it was really, um, it was really special for me to hear those kinds of stories from people and knowing that I well, the thing that I had set out to do was being accomplished and which was impacting people in a, in a really special way with the gifts that I've been given instead of just singing other people's words and making money off of it and being a, you know, matinee idol sort of a vibe. It's like, I'm actually trying to do something impactful and um, in some little way. So that, that was, that was the goal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. hopefully it was achieved um, on a few fronts. I, I think so. Yeah. I might regret this next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Oh God. What is the craziest thing a fan has ever done either at a meet and greet or stage door? Oh, that's easy. At West Side Story, I came out one time and I was playing Tony and this guy walks up to me really nervously at the stage door and I was like, oh, what's this guy's deal? Something something weird is going to happen. And he's like really nervous and he's kind of talking really quietly. <laughs> he's got this girl behind him, this, this uh, young woman behind him that's like even more sheepish than he is. But he's like excited um, in his nerves. And he comes up to me and he says, kind of quietly, he says, um, hi, I loved you in the show. Thank you so much. Um, this is my favorite show ever. Me and my my girlfriend here. We just love it and we love you. And and uh, I was wondering, and he kind of like tries to whisper to me so that she can't hear because she's like a little bit behind him. And he said, I, I want to know if you could, if you could like ask her to marry me for me. I said, wait, you want me to propose to her for you? Like, do you don't want to do it? Like, he's like, no, can you just say, can you like, can you say, will you marry this guy? Like he wants to marry. And I I was like, so tired. It it was like a two show day. I was like out of it. I wanted to go home. And I didn't even think, I just like walked up to her. (laughs) And maybe this was me like being just not really paying attention to life. Um, But I was like, and I was still really confused. I was like, uh, this guy, um, he didn't tell me his name. He's, I was like, this guy wants to know if you, if you want to marry him. And she looks at him. She's like, what? What is it? And he's like, kind of nodding his head. And, and, I'm, and I said it again. I was like, this guy wants to know if you want to, if you want to marry him. And it like suddenly dawns on her that like, this is actually a proposal coming from like, this guy that she just watched be the star on Broadway. And it was exact. I mean, this guy, uh, normally I'd be like, that's weird. Like why ask somebody else to propose for you? But it, he knew her well enough. And she 
like lost it. She thought it was the greatest thing ever. And she said, yes. And it was adorable. And I was like, did that just happen? And I went home. Do you know how many emails I got asking if Jeremy can assist in my proposal? (laughs) (laughs) I understand. Like I've done like little cameos where I've, you know, said something or was like part of the process, but to like actually stand there in front of the human being, like unprepared and just say this, it was like, it was wild. Uh, Yeah. So that was definitely like the, the most bizarre thing. Most people are super cool and normal. And, you know, uh, the only, the the only weird things that generally tend to happen are, are when people like kind of, Sometimes I, I won't say people overshare because I actually like to hear people's like really personal stories. But sometimes when they start, when pe- people will just go a little too far, you know, with their, you know, friendliness and they'll want to like, it's okay, you know, you hug. Okay, fine. Like, can I kiss you? Can I kiss you on the cheek? Can I like kiss your nose? I was like, uh, no, no, I'm sure that you are lovely and and germ free, but I don't think that's I don't think that's appropriate. So that's when it gets weird. That's when it gets a little weird. I mean, this has been happening since long before I had a child, but luckily I have that excuse now. But I'm just glad I'm just glad that none of those stories were about me. No, no, I won't. I won't air any of your dirty laundry on here, Jen. That's fine. <laughs> Everybody always asks me this question. I'm really sick of them asking me. So I'm just going to ask you and you can give the answer and I can just refer everybody to this episode. Oh, great. I love this. I don't even know what it is. Probably do know what it is. Are you ever going to do a solo album? A solo album. What does that even mean? I mean, I'm doing, um, you know, I was for a while before I started my band, you know, slowly putting together album of my stuff that I've written. And uh, that's kind of been pushed put aside because I'm focusing on the band stuff and it's more interesting to me. I still have all that stuff. And I think probably what's more likely to happen is that I'll have the band stuff and that'll be its own thing. And that's still me. It's me. I still write all the songs. But I think eventually I'll do an album of either theater songs or like reimagined songs, or maybe I'll record one of my solo shows or, you know, I always had this dream of doing like a big symphonic or like a big band album. So I think it would be something like that um, as opposed to like the album that I promised for years, which was like the original music Jeremy album. Maybe there'll be something, some of it on there. But not, nothing like that is currently in, in the works. But I, but I do think eventually I'll, I'll probably end up recording one of my solo shows or something like that. I'm always like a little bit weird about that because I was really hesitant to do this. My last one during COVID to, to film it and like and broadcast it. I would have much more preferred to film it with an actual audience, but we filmed it like with no audience. It was kind of weird and it was like a little bit detached in a strange way. And I... And which is what I was kind of like nervous about. And I, and I liked it, but I, I, it wasn't the same as doing the show live. And that's always what I worry about those with those kind of albums. But well, I guess it probably helped that you did do it live. 
It certainly did. I mean, I knew I knew mostly what jokes worked. I had to like I knew the bits that needed to be like tightened because I had a video of doing the show and I was like, okay, let's let's get it wrap it up. I tend to ramble sometimes, but um, you know, but yeah, <laughs> shut up. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was, but it was it was weird. Um, but but also really exciting because I got to like rewrite a couple things. I wrote another, another original song for it. I had to like revamp it to to fit the medium. But it's definitely the that show, probably more so the stage version, but also the film version because they're very similar. Mm-hmm. That's definitely been the thing that I've been most proud of in my career so far because it was something that I and Ben um, created all on my slash our own is really personal and really special and as exciting as it is to to do big musicals and and stuff like that it's it's still other people's words and other people's stories that i am excitedly and really wonderfully love being a part of that process and collaborative and and special but um it's not as personal you know as really getting to create something in your own it's it's a lot harder to do that too. So, after everything that you've done—television, movies, theater, fronting a band—I mean, I can be here all day listing everything. But actually, no, I think that's about it. But uh, being a father, being a father, and a husband, surviving, <laughs> eating, walking, exercising, whitening his teeth—like I've done a lot in my life. Getting a haircut. Anyways, continue. Are you done? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> So where do you feel the most at home? What do you enjoy doing the most? Theater. Theater, for sure. Um, and uh, it's hard because I really enjoy doing, like, the really special one-man shows, too. And while that was probably, like, my most rewarding thing, the thing that I enjoy the most is doing theater, like, doing a show with people and a cast and a company and eight shows a week and the camaraderie and the grind and the connection with the audience. Yeah. I mean, it was the thing that I've always loved and I don't think that anything is going to surpass that. I have done a few movies. I've definitely done a lot of television. Those have positive things and I've loved some of those and not loved some of those, but I've almost across the board loved almost every theatrical thing that I've been a part of. Not everyone. You know, some have had some ups and downs, but Pretty much it's um, and I and I and I have to say I'm lucky because I know a lot of people that don't have all positive experiences in the theater, whether it's because of discriminatory things, whether it's because of how they're treated by other people in the industry or critics or their own self-doubt or a million other factors. It's I, I, I really count myself lucky to have. I had mostly really genuinely positive experiences, specifically on Broadway too. So and off Broadway too, when I did Little Shop was really fantastic. So yeah, that was that was great. Yeah, that's that's what I will always come back to. And I'm very much itching to do a new show. Oh well, the last new thing on Broadway that I did or in New York was um was American Sun. That was in two thousand that was five years ago. And the last new musical I did was New Season, eleven years ago. Yeah, oh my gosh. So 
It's time. It's time to do something It's new. definitely time. Putting that into the universe. Yes, definitely. There have been a couple close opportunities that didn't pan out. And of course, there was that whole time that I was doing television in there that kind of didn't let me do other things. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was that COVID thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that COVID thing, yeah. Yeah. So there's like five years in there that I wasn't really available. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm really excited about, you know, and, and I we haven't talked about it. But I mean, I, I have this new movie coming out. I think it has the potential to be something big. I'm not really in control of any of that anymore because I did my You did your part. part. I'm really proud of it and really proud of the work that I did in it, which is hard for me to say. I generally am of my worst, my own worst critic. Um, so hopeful that might open a door to in the film, television world, or even theater. Who knows? You <laughs> never know. I feel like uh, one thing tends to lead to the other. So Well, because Rock of Ages I'm just got you joyful noise. Yeah, Walk of Ages did get me joyful noise. That was a little secret, you know, blessing that was had nothing to do with anything except for showing up and doing my job. Sometimes that's all you gotta do. True. But then you gotta hustle sometimes. You know that, Jen. You gotta hustle. You gotta make it happen. Do you have any um aspirations of directing someday? People keep asking me that. Just the other day, somebody was like, you're going to be a director one day. I was like, how do you know? Do you know something that I don't? Is there like a part in a show where I play a director that you, that somebody told you is going to, that you have insider account on? Like, what's happening? Uh, I think I would, I think I would enjoy trying it one day. I mean, I have technically directed all of my solo shows. Um, I've never brought anyone on board for that. I don't think that I would want to direct anything that wasn't theater, though. Because a lot of, like, when I did Supergirl, a lot of my castmates eventually ended up directing episodes or doing that sort of thing. And that has no interest to me. Like, I enjoy watching and seeing and seeing things, but, like, all the technical things behind all that and it's, it's, sounds sounds daunting. But creating something from nothing in the world of theater does sound intriguing to me, so... Perhaps, Jen, perhaps. Perhaps. We'll see. We'll see what the future holds. Yeah, I think I need a little bit more clout before anybody will trust me to do something like that. You never know. Never know. Is it easier for you to portray a fictional character as a to somebody in real life like Clyde Barrow or Neil Bogart? Easier is like a tricky word. Because they're two completely different animals. I I like the challenge of playing someone that really existed because there is a set of rules in place because this person was this way or was that way. And you have to sort of like find your own thing within that set of rules. On the other hand, you know, a completely new character can be anything. So it, it's a little bit muddier. Um, so it's more challenging in that regard to like find what exactly feels real and true. So yeah, I would I would actually say I think it's a little bit easier to play someone that really existed or exists. I've never played someone that still exists. I've played people that have died Yes. a bunch of times. I mean, I played Neil Bogart, I played, you know, Clyde Barrow, I played J.M. Barry, I played I also played those. I, when I was in college, I played Richie Valens.
Like, I've played a lot of people that have died. So it's nice. And they all died a while ago. So, like, there's not a lot of, like, footage on them. So you can still kind of fudge it. Yeah. But I think it's a little bit easier to do that. Probably. If you could be in any show, past or present, which show would it be? What role would you play and why? This question, my gut response is always that I've never really done a Sondheim show ever. I mean, unless you count West Side Story, which he you know, did the lyrics to. But I wouldn't call that a Sondheim show. So um, I would do a Sondheim show. Now, which Sondheim show is hard to say um, because I'm I love Sondheim, but like I'm kind of like hot and cold on some of the shows. But I would probably say like uh, Bobby and Company or George and Sunday in the Park. Those are probably my two favorite things that I could do in Sondheim show. I mean, I also really love Little Night Music, but I think I've kind of aged out of Henrik. And I don't really know that I want to play into the part in that show. What else is there? Into the Woods is fun, but I don't know that it's like my dream. Gosh, there's so many. I don't know. But like um, Follies, I mean, it, I think it would be really fun to play Buddy in Follies when I get older. So like something like that. That's what I would do. I don't know that I could ever do Sweeney. Like, I, my voice is never going to be that low. <laughs> They'd have to turn fish it up. Uh, that would be fun, but I don't I don't know that I could ever. Maybe I'll take up smoking for a year and then do Sweeney. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe when Josh Groban leaves when it comes to Broadway, I don't know. He could consider you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm definitely Josh <laughs> Groban light. When I think of you, I just think Josh Groban all the time. Yeah. So, I could do a Josh yeah. Groban. I mean... I could do Josh Groban all day, but he's definitely got, he's definitely got the baritone. I don't Prove know what I can it. do it right now. You raise me up so I can stand. I, See? I can't, I can't do it. It's, I sound so different, but I can, I'm a big fan of Josh Groban, by the way. But he's, he's good. And he's like a super, he's super, super cool person in real life too. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I've heard. So it's uh be yeah, I've gotten to meet him a couple of times. He's he's he's, yeah. he's 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 he seems like a really cool guy, and I would love to work with Emily Ashford again. That's for sure. I used to do we used to like do all yeah. the readings together. We've never actually done a show together. Like we did we did the first Bring It On reading together. We did the original Heather's reading together. But we've never actually yeah. done a show together. You're like the greatest Weird. team that's never actually been on. I guess professional stage together, like coming to like where like there's like a big audience for it. I know. Rude. Get on that Broadway. What's going on? Get on it. So are there any upcoming projects that you can or you want to share about? Well, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but there's this uh movie that is coming out in a theater new year near you on March thirty first called Spinning Gold, in which I um play the lead and it's uh a music biopic of uh, about the record industry in the 60s and 70s and how this one guy kind of defied the odds and almost, <laughs> you know, destroyed his himself and his whole business in the process trying to discover these new acts and bring them to the world. And uh, it's pretty cool. I, uh, I play lead. I, I sing a little bit in it, but it's it's more about like the music of the era in terms of the musical aspect of it. But it's, uh, it's a really fun movie it's fast paced kind of eye opening to to um what was going on during that uh, time in history in the music industry so that's coming up doing the broadway cruise beginning of april 
which I consequently leaves port the day my movie comes out. I'm like, seriously, you must be joking. There better be Wi-Fi on this freaking boat because I can't just like put out the largest movie that I've ever done and then like be dead to the world. Like, go see it. Bye. We'll see you in five days. Like, how terrible would that be? Yeah, you know, got some concerts coming up, which um, you can find online. Where where online can you find them? Probably you could go to jeremy-jordan.com, uh, which which uh, my good friend Jennifer has a part of, um, Keeping Afloat, which we appreciate her for that. Which I forced him to let me do. Listen, I used to run my own website, never wanted to do it. I was very and- lucky to, to come across this, this uh, we um, sprite. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to get Irish on this wee sprite. Um. Anyways, I feel like you could be called a sprite. Okay, that's a new thing. You you you're kind of. Sp- I don't know. I feel like that that's okay. a good description we'll go of that. you. Everybody's gonna be calling me sprite now just because you <laughs> said it. Yes. I can't wait. Actually, I'm very excited about that. You're welcome. I hate you. I hate you. And before we get to our last question, I would just like to remind our listeners that if they like what they hear, they can support this podcast by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash at this podcast. And where can people go to find more about you? Well, you can go to my Instagram. Primarily, I don't really use Twitter that much anymore. At Jeremy M. Jordan. I'm sure that aforementioned website would be helpful as well. And that's that. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on, talking with me. I know it's been a You're while. You're very welcome. I'm sure you've got your fill of me for the year. Uh, Well, it is January. So, yeah, I think we're good for the okay, year. We're, we're good, right? Okay, great. <laughs> I'll see you next year. <laughs> I'll see you when I see you, Jen. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Thanks, Jeremy.